You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Sandy Lowry's. <laughs> well done. So, Sandy, tell me a little bit about yourself and what do you do professionally? Oh, well, thanks for asking. Um, and thanks for having me here, by the way. Um, I'm really thrilled to be here. So I'm a writer and a blogger and a podcaster, a public speaker, and also a dating coach uh, with the Good Girl Confessional. And I'm I'm in Australia. I'm in Melbourne, and uh, it's supposed to be spring, but it's a little bit cool. Yeah, I, I love it that the season's changing a little bit, like that. You get that nippiness in the air, like you walk outside wearing a t-shirt. Next thing you know, like I, I walked outside the other day, and I had a button-up t-shirt, and yeah, my nipples were poking through the shirt. I was like, I might need to put on a jacket. <laughs> it's a slight bit chilly out. You know what I mean? And oh, hell yeah. <laughs> it's one of those moments where it's like, it's crazy because fall is coming. Fall is in the air. It is approaching a little bit around the time, like Halloween coming up and all these things. It's like, oh, it's the season's changing. Colors are changing. <laughs> the beautiful world is changing around us. I love that. You know what I love? So I'm sitting here in Melbourne, Australia, and you're halfway around the world, and you're in Ocean City or somewhere, and you're in the USA. and your fall, which is we call autumn, is our spring, right? So um, you're getting to that really beautiful um, part of the world where, where all the leaves are falling off the trees. And I'm literally in a part of the world where all the leaves are coming back and the flowers are blooming. And But we're probably having similar weather, I think. I think the earth is changing in such weird ways. To be honest with you, time zones mess me up horrifically. When it comes to, it is 7 a.m. here, and it's probably around 10 o'clock where you're at. Not quite. It's like nearly 9.30 p.m., so at night, yeah. That's crazy. I think we should all just focus on, like, let's all work on the same time zone, okay? (laughs) Because I get random people like, hey, you want to do it at 6 a.m., want to do it at 7 a.m.? I'm like, sure, sure. And next thing I know, I'm like, all right, I'm ready. They're like, oh, dude, it's 2 a.m. here, man. You got to wait. It's four hours from now. I'm like, oh, we all don't go off the same clock. I get it. It's like that spring forward and spring back or all that stuff with daylight savings time. I get confused. The next thing you know, I'm late for work. Oh, yeah. Wait, do you have daylight savings there? Like we have daylight savings here, but it doesn't start until October. So yeah, I think ours is coming up, to be honest with you, because it seems like the sun's waking up a little bit less uh, early than it used to. It seems like it's staying in a little bit. It's becoming uh, morning a little bit closer to seven than where it was coming up at like 530. Oh, wow. And do you have like kids? Because if you do, daylight savings is a bitch, right? Because they're getting up, you're trying to put them to bed, but you know, it's, you know, they want to stay up later because they think it's like early. It's not even with kids. It messes up your whole day. (laughs) Like, it's like, you feel like you're an hour behind. It's like you're losing an hour of sleep. It's like, I barely get sleep as it is. And now you're telling me I'm going to get even less than that. And it's like, well, now you get to sleep in an hour. Not really. I mean, to be honest (laughs) with you, it's like it, it works for that one day. And then like everything you just, you change your times again. 
Wow. Do you know what? Australians love it. We go mad for it because we get to, Australia has like this kind of beautiful spring and summer and we have a late summer. And so, you know, I guess, um, I think everyone in the UK and even in the USA thinks that Australia is all about bronzed, blonde, suntanned people living on beaches in Australia. I don't know, but, um, that's our only window of opportunity. We have to stay like savings in the lower states of Australia. Australia is a big country, man. I think everybody thinks it's so tiny. Um, it's but in funny. the lower states? Well, it's it's funny because my uh, first podcast with an Australian person, his name is Zach Breyers. The first 30 minutes we're talking, like my question was, so what in Australia can't kill you? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he goes, bro, it's not like that at all. Um, you basically like it, we're, there, we're more fearful of you know there's a fear of sharks there's that type of thing but i feel for you man you're from the states what's it like encountering a grizzly bear i'm like oh we have a totally completely sided view on each other from different countries the fact that i think you guys are just fighting everything and every day for you guys is like the zombie apocalypse you make it <laughs> day by day it's not like that at all and for although sure, dude believe me if 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 the zombie apocalypse ever lands we you all, all want to listen. Get get on a boat and get out here because we got a lot of landmass. We're, we're going to be okay, you know. You can, um, you see coming from the distance, come. Just get you know. If you start to get wind of this stuff, get on a plane before hell breaks loose. Uh, seriously, Australia will get you. I think. Um, I love that though that you were talking to Zach Breyers about that because we do have a lot of scary stuff, but we're so used to it. I mean, we don't really. It's not in the way that you think, though. You know, yes, we have all these deadly spiders and apparently deadly snakes and we have a lot of shark attacks. But honestly, do you know what? I think more people apparently die in the world from getting hit by a bus, that's what I've heard, than by being bitten by a spider or a snake or whatever. Well, Snakes more- like to hide and spiders, really, they're not coming at you unless they have to come at you. So that's, that's I just podcast with someone about snakes too. And he was telling me like snakes are like this awesome thing. They're actually, they don't, they don't bother you unless you're in their way. Like if they're headed towards a river or something, if they're headed to something that's in front of them, they're basically just trying to get there, but they see you as this giant in front of them blocking their way. So they're not going to, they're going to defend themselves. They immediately feel defensive. And I'm like, wow, that gives me a whole outlook on snakes where I just thought there were these monsters that would literally go out of their way. Like whenever I'm taking a shower and there's a spider in the shower, I'm like, bro, we had an unspoken agreement. Okay. This is my safe zone. Please. <laughs> Like, give me this time to just, you know, I won't bother you. I won't do this. But then he starts seeing tripping towards the drain. You're like, it's going to happen, bro. I'm going to have to kill you. I'm going to have to set this house on fire. And it, I, I, <laughs> me and him, me and Zach were talking for 30 minutes. The first 30 minutes we're talking about just kangaroos and how much of savages they are. Because down in Australia, they have signs that say like kangaroo crossing or all these types of things. Like, be weary, there's kangaroo. Where in my, like my state, it's deer. We have a sign for. Oh, we have deers here too, but not in like they're pretty destructive here. I think in terms of not people, deers here actually just eat vegetation and they end up killing crops, and that, that's not a good because they're introduced. It's an introduced species here, right? They weren't meant to be here. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy because a lot of the stuff, like the animals in Australia, they're actually a lot of them are not meant to be there. Uh, oh one, yeah. One for example is rabbits. Oh, um, true. Big. That was that was brought over by an 18th century uh, English settler that just brought like a group of like I think it was like a hundred something rabbits. And when we talk about rabbits, like breeding mm. like rabbits, that's what they did. And next thing you know, oh, they do. The population of rabbits sparked up to like two million to three million, and now you guys have like I know they're banned in some places in Australia. Well, it's kind of crazy. They can't. Uh, I, I don't know how they ban them because they're like you know they're crazy. Wild rabbits are insane. You know they're just out there. I grew up in the in in a little. Well, I didn't grow up. I started life in a little country town um, in Victoria, Australia. I'm only talking tiny. It was a little gold mining town called El Dorado. You have an El Dorado in the US, I believe, much bigger than our El Dorado. Um, and I started school in this little town. And one of the things I remember is, you know, um, a lot of people shot rabbits. They just constantly shot them. And um, I was kind of horrified even as a kid that, you know, oh, my God, why are you shooting these beautiful furry animals? First of all, in Australia, a lot of them had myxomatosis. They had like this disease that was not good. You couldn't even eat them. And secondly, they were just a scourge on the landscape. They were never meant to be here. And these poor defenseless little rabbits who had been introduced here were just breeding like wildfire. Yeah, it's crazy because, um, it's you know, same thing when someone introduces like a certain population or something to uh area where that's not meant to be there like they brought a bunch of wolves into this area where they had a high amount of like deer so they were trying to control the deer population next oh, wow. thing you know, the deer population in that area was dwindling down to literally a point where there was none and the wolf population was out of control Oh, wow. Because you're introducing a whole new species that not meant for that ecosystem, not meant for that environment. Of course, right? So, so uh, I, you know, you do have wolves, I guess, in the, in the U.S. And um, so when you start to, like, cross into different states, you know, we have different states as well and very different ecosystems. I imagine it's exactly the same. Yeah, for me, like, uh, I think the most common, like, I've mistaked a fox or I've mistaked, like, a coyote or something. I don't know, I say a coyote, but mostly a fox. Mm. Um, For a cat one time, I was sitting out on my porch at 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I have the benefit of having the ocean as my front porch, and then behind me in my backyard's the bay, okay? Oh, wow. I'm surrounded by two bodies of water. You have to take a bridge to get over here. And I'm, I'm sitting there. On, on this curb at two o'clock in the morning, kind of just like relaxing after skateboarding, you know, doing the things you do when you're like 19 years old. And this little small animal starts coming up to me. I'm like, oh, look, at it. it's a cat. It's coming right up to me. I'm like, oh, I'm going to pet it. It's dark out. I'm a bit of an idiot. And it comes up to me and I go to pet it. And I'm like, whoa, that's not a cat. I'm like, uh, 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 uh. and I, I jump back and just start hauling ass. And it was a little fox. But it was oh. like, really I thought rabies, all this types of stuff. Like, and it was, it was weird because when it got closer, you saw it wasn't a cat. You, but it was oh my God. size as one. So listen, we have foxes here, but get, we don't have rabies in Australia. Did you know that? How do you not have rabies? I thought that We was- don't have rabies. What? Um, rabies has never, ever been introduced to any animal in Australia, thank God, because you know what? Yes, we do have spiders and snakes and we have most of the deadly, the most deadly spiders and snakes in Australia, more than any continent. But 
most of all, we don't see those deadly spiders and snakes. That's a truism. So everyone who's freaking out about coming to Australia, we're all good. Or I could lie and pretend we're like all really kick-ass and fighting that off and I'm, you know, I'm a warrior every day, but that's not true. But we do have um, foxes and we do not have rabies. Rabies is not a thing in Australia. So we watch television shows in America. We, you know, um, television series, we watch Netflix or whatever's going on, you know, whatever. And then they go, oh, I got bitten by a dog or I got bitten by a raccoon or I got bitten by a fox and I have to have a rabies shot. And we're all like, what? Yeah, there's been, it's been like a kind of a fear for parents back when rabies was becoming this giant thing because... I think if you have rabies and you don't get them treated, you don't get any types of vaccinations or anything of that, it kills you. It 100% oh, yeah. kills you. And it always scared me because watching the movie like Old Yeller and then seeing- Oh, yeah. Oh, I know that film. Like, you know, we all cried. You know, same thing with Titanic. When Leo went down, everybody was hurt. But it was those moments where it's like they warned you. They literally told you these dangerous things. And I hear so much stuff about Australia, how you guys have a thing known as a rockfish. Um, that oh, yeah, that's spends, true. Spends like six months on land and does these types of things, and it disguises itself so you couldn't even tell if it was a fish or just a <laughs> random rock. Okay, I'm just going to tell you that's not true. So what happens is, so you need to know that's not true, and you can Google this, peep. Um, people, this is important. So rock fish do exist and they do look like rocks and they can actually almost like blend in with the landscape, but they do have to live in water, they're fish, but they have to live in shallow water and they cannot live on land. So they can't like climb out onto the land and then just pretend they're a rock. That won't happen. But what it will do is actually disguise itself in shallow bits of water and if you're going to actually step into certain places in Australia or in the ocean generally you should know this stuff um you know it's it's not every beachfront Australia is is seriously we you know part of our national anthem says that our land is girt by sea what that basically means is our land is surrounded by sea which is true we're we're kind of a continent that is surrounded uh, we are the largest continent, single island continent in the world, but we are surrounded by water and we have all these crazy ecosystems, right? And so um, rockfish don't live everywhere, but they do live in some places. And if you're going to actually seriously um, go and visit remote beaches in Australia, I would probably be Googling and checking out what you should be looking out for. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, be wary of what you're, you're going to probably experience in a different place that you've never been. Don't just go there expecting, oh, it's going to be awesome. It's, it's like the people that go down to Mexico and they, oh, yeah. they just go to the hotel and they stay at the hotel and they think, Mexico is this wonderful place. I don't know what everybody's talking about when it comes to the problems. So I'm like, look, I have a buddy whose family's from Mexico and he's like one of the very few people in his family that made it over here and has had a life over here. He talks about like, there's a different between the hotel side of it and then there's the real stuff the real family stuff i experience where you see poverty you see people coming together you see a sense of closeness like in america people and it seems like it's affecting the world nowadays more and more but it's pretty bad here we're very disconnected from each other i mean completely disconnected when it comes to the concept of you can't your only connectivity is with social media these types of these these 
platforms that don't give you any type of connection into human minds or just the connectivity that we used to experience by having a conversation with somebody. Oh, you know, I just think that what you've said is just mind-blowingly beautiful because, you know, um, clearly you're a lot younger than me. I've just turned 50 or whatever, but it doesn't matter. The reality is around the world there is this, well, in thinking people, there is this acknowledgement um, that we are completely disconnected and that we shouldn't be. I see, um, you know, and I, I'm sorry if this is controversial, what I see in your, um, you know, political system right now is is a leader who is completely disconnected from the reality of his people. I But, but that is not flagging off America because guess what? In Australia, we have the same thing. So um, I don't even... No, probably a lot of your listeners wouldn't even know who our, we don't have a president, we have a prime minister and his name is Scott Morrison and he's pretty much in the same vein or elk of Trump in that he he is very right-wing. He has no conception of um, those people who are suffering. He, he doesn't care about immigration. There's a whole lot of, there's a lot of similarities going on and there's a lot of people who are disenfranchised, I guess, from the real world um, whose entire realm of knowledge comes from social media from what they're seeing as they scroll through. Yeah, well, nowadays it's easier to complain about something on Facebook than pay attention to the problems that are actually going on in your life and conversating with someone to be able to release that stress. What freaks me out is we've went from modeling ourselves as children in the idea of our parents and looking at them as our superheroes, looking at other things. You may be looking at Superman as someone you wanted to aspire to be, picking an astronaut, picking these innovators throughout history. Now we're modeling ourselves off celebrities and then we put so much faith in them thinking they're living this perfect lifestyle, which you're only seeing the good parts about it on Instagram and Facebook. Nobody's going to post up the bad stuff like bills came in the mail today. Like nobody's putting up that <laughs> on social media. So you're getting a complete one-sided view. And this is when people give a lot of crap about TMZ. They do it in an outlandish way for sure. But they show you that these are people, they experience the same bullshit we deal with on a day-to-day basis. And now we're got to the point um, where we literally have elected someone that is a celebrity. You know, he was yeah. in the WWE he was in a couple episodes of that, like an I know. wrestling thing. He's meant to get views. He sees publicity as good publicity, bad publicity. There is none. It's all, if you mention the Trump name, you're still talking about him. He chooses to be outlandish in his actions because that's what gets him views. We're modeling ourselves on a very, very shitty, broken foundation. I think that, um, and herein, I'm so impressed, by the way, with, what you're saying because I think that this is incredibly true and I think what's really frightening so I went to New York last year and San Francisco there's a huge big divide between San Francisco the folks in San Francisco and the, and the folks in New York City in some ways but imagine like then that divide between those people and the people in Washington for example um I think that there's this extraordinary kind of divide in the world right now. And what we're seeing is incredible right-wing politics in the likes that we haven't seen possibly in, since like the 30s and 40s that is creeping in. And it's propaganda. That's what it is. And it's, it's 
But we, what we have is an overlay of technology. So um, there's this thing called unconscious bias, you know, like if you on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you, whatever you're doing, um, if you are actually following uh, left-wing news outlets, guess what starts to happen? All you get fed is, is left-wing. Wing. And if you are right, you're going to get right. But if you're alt-right, all you're going to get is alt-right. And you're it's more... wing both sides of the pendulum, like left-right. Absolutely. It's, it's flipping back and forth. I tell people, I am open-minded on the concept of I cannot hear one person's perspective. I have to get everyone's story. I have to get everybody's thoughts. I've talked to people that are hardcore Christians that believe if you don't believe in God, you're going to hell. And I'm also an ordained minister under the United Church of Bacon. I have, I've dived under. (laughs) Wait, are you really? Yeah. It took me an hour and 45 minutes at my Maryland courthouse and I had to pay $35, but damn right. I did it. Um, Wait, wait, explain. You're an ordained minister. Under the United Church of Bacon. There's a United Church of Bacon. So I did do a spinoff of my podcast um, back in the day. Uh, I, I try. I post a new one every single day. Um, but <laughs> back when I was first starting this, it was hard to do that on the concept of I was doing real interviews and real conversations with people. And a lot of the time, the best part about humans is we're very, very flaky. We don't stick to the plans. We always let something pop up last minute. And uh, I would get a bunch of messages, like everything would be set up for it to happen, and people would bail out. And I'd be like, okay, well, the offer's always on the table. And you had to kind of take it. So then eventually my buddy's like, why don't you just do another podcast that focuses on like specific stuff? I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I'd crank out like six of those in one day. Uh, It would be like 30-minute topics about whatever my buddy was interested in, whatever, whoever I had on, I'd ask them, send me one of your interests. You're into knitting? Okay, we're going to talk about things about knitting. We're going to talk about whatever. And uh, it was there was one on parody religions, and I got into one called Pastafarianism. And (laughs) they worship a giant spaghetti monster. And I'm sitting there laughing just like you were at the beginning of it. And then I started reading about it. No, it's fine. It's funny because it is is truly ridiculous. But that's the point of it. It's supposed to highlight like the kid started it from Harvard. He was letting people know that it's ridiculous to follow one specific religion and no other religions are right, especially in the education system where it's seen as dominant Christian. Now we're seeing it change with it being all open interpretation because in America, Christianity, Catholic, all that stuff, those were the two giant religions. Nowadays, we're seeing everything under the sun through immigration. We're seeing all these different countries and all these different beliefs open up now. And so in Australia, so in Australia, and I'm sorry to cut you off there, but what's really interesting for us is that you know, yes, Christianity and Catholicism. What, what, when did Catholicism not be part of Christianity? It's a weird. That's a weird thing. But anyway, they were the biggest things that ever were in Australia. And now we have a huge Muslim population, we have a Hindu population, we have a Jewish population, we have many populations um, in terms of religion. But this is the very first time that we have actually had a prime minister who came out who was staunchly Pentecostal because I, which is very, very um, evangelical Christian. I honestly before this moment have always thought that um, the church and the state were divided 
but this is the first time we're seeing this happen in Australia. And it's um, and he actually said in a speech, and you can look it up. His name is Scott Morrison, PM of Australia. He actually said, he, "I will burn for you." Yeah, it's crazy because um, I'm in, yeah I'm in no way religious. Um, Me either. I'm open to all interpretations. I don't know what if there's a God at the end of the road. If it's Morgan Freeman, I don't know. I it, wouldn't that, that be amazing? Imagine that would if it was be Morgan awesome. Friedman. Yeah, like he had all the information the whole time, and you I'd know, be so excited if it was Morgan Friedman. There's only two questions: if I end up meeting the Maker, whoever, whatever ideas at the ending. If there is a Maker, I want to ask him two questions. One: Why did you not come out like tell people you were here sooner? And two. I'm really glad you're here, but what's with all the times I wished you for superpowers and I never got superpowers when I was a kid? Well, wait, why weren't you Santa Claus? You know, why weren't they all embodied into one, right? Because That's what I'm saying. It's all, it's all, I feel like when it comes to religion, my theory is we're all getting bits and pieces of the same picture. We're all getting- Of course we are, but here's the thing. The most amazing people in the world that I have met, and I am an atheist, I'm putting it out there, so some people will hate that, um, but I am. But some of the most amazing people in my life, friends and people that I've met through my blogging, writing, podcasting journey, whatever, um, are like they are really into their religion and 100% power to them because here's the thing. Here's the difference. They actually proudly wear it and own it, but they're not trying to make you be that. And they're not judging you because you're not. And that is okay because that's how the world should work. We're all different. We all come from different places. Our ideologies are so different. Yeah. It's It's the whole, right? Well, it's crazy because my cousin is only a couple months younger than me, but he's been dived into Christianity and the church. He's homeschooled. So his schooling was church. You know, he went every single day, helps out and helps the kids. And I'm seeing him now question it a little bit. And where he used to kind of hate me for the remarks I used to make when I used to go and visit him and hang, spend the night at his house. And sadly, if he I, hated you. He hated you. It was more like he had a disgust towards me on the things I would say. I was a okay. bit of a dick at the time when it came to uh the dudes giving a sermon on stage and i'm sitting there like oh my god like can i don't want to really be sitting and listening to this for hours but i sat there quietly but then they well started done you about- though to do that for your cousin i mean do you think that's more ego i don't think that's hate no it was more like the fact of the remarks i would make when it came to uh they were talking about jesus walking on water and i was like maybe he was just in the shallow end you know, oh my was, God, you're funny. Okay. Ankles. Mm-hmm. And I was joking, but my cousin was like, dude, really? And I was telling him like, I don't care what your religion is. I only get into arguments or I get into a thing where I question and I need to figure out something, try and be as open as possible. When I was on the boardwalk, it's a popular attraction in my town. It's basically like a couple miles of just like this beautiful beach, like walk scenery. And it um, sounds beautiful, by the way, there was a, a bunch of Jehovah's Witnesses, I've talked about before on the podcast, that I had my headphones in, I'm just walking by, and there's all these tourists walking by, and he's pointing at everybody saying, you're going to hell if you don't believe in Christ, you're going to hell if you don't believe in Christ, and I'm like, wait, this is your cousin? No, this isn't my cousin, this is just some random Jehovah's Witness. Oh, random guy, okay. And I was like, hold on a second, I took my headphones out, I was like, what'd you just say, man? And the guy was like, you're going to hell if you don't believe in Christ. You're going to you're going to be damned forever if you don't believe in the Lord and Savior. He's here for you and he's always there for you. And I'm like, I get it. 
um, you found belief in something. Well, let me tell you something. I'm an ordained minister under the United Church of Bacon. He goes, what is this? I'm like, this is actually a safeguard for atheists. It was a bunch of atheists got together and created this thing because they're sick and tired of saying they're atheists and people looking at them with disgust. The problem is they didn't have something to go under. So the United Church of Bacon was created. So they were like, we don't actually worship Bacon, but hey, this is just so you can tell people you have this religion so they don't look at you as some type of undecided voter. And I'm like, that's what bolstered me to go become an ordained minister under it. I went to every single religion. I'm under, you ever seen the movie, The Big Lebowski? Oh yeah, I love that. I have certificates from uh, the Church of the Latter Saint Dude. Okay, I've dived, into <laughs> I've dived into all these things. I'm interested in where people take things. And if you start looking at anything, whether it's ice, whether it's the simplest thing, considering you know a wood table, you can, take your own interpretation from it that can give it such deeper meaning. I tell people, be the optimist. Stop looking at things as you don't have. Stop making comparison and judgments on a place that's doing worse than you, a person that has more than you, and start looking at your own life and things you should be doing. When I see somebody tell me, hey, I just, I'm having this problem going on in my life, I don't sit there and go, oh, you have that going on in your life? Well, I have this going on in my life. We do that. I love, I love that. I think we all do that. But I think here's the thing. I'm... I am an atheist and I'm proudly an atheist and a lot of people don't like that, you know, and I, um, in Australia, they're probably more accepting of it than maybe in the U S and other countries. But the reality is for me, I don't mind if people have a religion. I think it's, you know, if that is their, I, I don't even wait. I'm not worried about it at all. I think that if they have a religion, all the power to them, what I do have concerns about is when it gets it gets fundamentalist when it gets turned on its head and they say um and this is christianity as well believe me um if you are not with us you are against us so then somehow weirdly in all of this um you know you become the something terrible you become the antichrist over like what yeah, it's crazy because when someone's a, a diehard Christian and they choose not to associate with people that aren't Christians, they feel like you're lost and they can't help you. They feel like you've, you're have you not someone they ever want to associate with. I'm like, hold on. We've known each other for years and I tell you I'm not Christian and now you want to end the relationship? Sorry. I'm yeah, but that's weird. That I mean, I grew up with a lot of friends. I mean, as you know, I'm, you know, I turned 50 this year. I have a lot of girlfriends and I have been friends with since we were kids. We're still friends to this day and our kids grew up together. Um, some of them have no religion. Some are Anglican, some are Catholic, you know, you know, whatever. And, and I have friends who are like Aboriginal. And so the reality is that they don't even have, they don't have like what we call a, um, you know, a, an ordained religion because they're the native people of, they just don't. Um, the, the native people of our land. The reality is this. None of them have had an issue with the fact that I'm not and I don't have an issue with the fact that they are Catholic or Christian or whatever they are. That's fine um, because when you love people and you care about people and you grow up with people and you just, that's what life should be. Am I right? And and you just accept the, their beliefs without judgment because they're not telling you, I don't love you if you're not 
what they're saying is I love you doesn't even matter. So that's, is, shouldn't that be what life is about? Yeah, my life is, is about trying to understand and see everybody's perspective, see both sides of the spectrum. You know, if we both agree that toast is awesome, uh, I'm going to have to throw in the opinion, well, you know, toast is not for some people because there's some people with gluten <laughs> intolerance, you know. I have to throw that in there. It's not me being a jerk, but it's bringing up the question of and trying to see it from the other perspective as well. See, okay, so I'll, throw, so I'll throw this in for you. You ready? Australians love toast, but we also love Vegemite. And a lot of Americans don't even A, know what it is, or if they do, they hate it. Yeah. What are I your heard, thoughts I, on Vegemite? I heard it wasn't that good, but I've never tried it, so I have to experience it myself. I actually, um, at my at my hotel that I work at, uh, I get Haitian people, Russian people, Serbians, all different types of people from other countries coming over. And I was talking to this Haitian woman about uh, Haitian mud cookies. I don't know if you know what these things are. No, but I'm going to look them up. Tell me. They're 90% uh, dirt, 5% butter, and 5% salt. It's literally something to keep you from the point of starvation. It's just something to fill your stomach up. And I was telling her, I was like, what is it like to eat those things? And then like, like come here and have food. And she was like, I still eat Haitian mud cookies here. She's like, what? I'm like, what? She goes, I order dirt like special dirt, like clean dirt. I'm like, do you know what you just said to me was clean dirt? You're eating dirt. She goes, yeah, it just has less bacteria in it. It has more minerals and stuff. And it goes into geophagia, which means uh, people that are like usually pregnant, uh, sometimes they eat dirt and some types of like raw materials like that. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Certain metals and stuff that their body's lacking. Well, they crave it, right? Yeah, because that their ba- the baby needs those things. That's why uh, it's if you take like a supplement for it, um, it helps. Like you don't have that craving anymore. And because also- that's what happens when we live in Western um, culture, is that we're so filled with all of those things that our bodies don't crave dirt. Yeah, and it was it's crazy because she was telling me about these Haitian mug cookies, and I was like, "Does it taste good?" She goes, "My grandma makes them taste exactly like Snickerdoodles," and I'm like, "What? What? Dirt tastes like, like Snickerdoodles?" I'm like, "I don't know what Snickerdoodles you've had." So I'm like, "All right." Before- Wait, I didn't even know what a Snickerdoodle is, but I'm assuming it's like a is that like a Mars bar? Tell me, what is a Snickerdoodle? A, a Snickerdoodle. Okay, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. So a Snickerdoodle would be like a little bit of like. It's like a it's a it's as a cookie with like butter, oil, and sugar, and it's kind of rolled a little bit in cinnamon, and it's it's pretty good. I mean, it's what it sounds good. Yeah, it's pretty delicious. But uh, I was telling her, I was like, all right, you bring one in, and I'll try one. She goes, it's going to change your mind. I ate one. Yeah, I understand why, because it was pretty damn good. Honestly, I would really? choose I would choose that over a regular Snickerdoodle, to be honest with okay, you. Okay, I want that lady's recipe for Haitian mud cookies if they taste like your Snickerdoodles. I have tried to get it from her, and she's like, no, it's my grandma's recipe. Oh, I'm we like, all have that. Everybody has one of I'm those. Like, Do you know what it's like, though, to not have to buy groceries when I could just be eating wonderful dirt in my yard? My yard is filled with it. But is your yard filled with it? I mean, let me, let's ask that question. Do you have like the same kind of beautiful dirt that her grandma is making her Haitian mug cookies from? I don't know. I don't know even where they order their dirt. I mean, yeah. you get it off Amazon, they'll probably two-day ship that shit straight to your house. <laughs> they probably they probably <laughs> bloody would. But here's the thing. We need to find out. Okay, I'm interested as well. I'm sure all my listeners will be as well. Where the hell can we get that beautiful mud 
for, to make Haitian mud cookies. And if anybody, by the way, wants to actually shout out and give us a recipe for Haitian mud cookies, it's that tastes like snickerdoodles. We'll do it. I, I find it funny because it brings into the whole concept of you need to understand both sides and you have to make interpretations for things yourself. And this is something I wanted to bring to because you kind of focus on it in your podcast. Yeah. You talk about relationships. I do. You talk about, you know, the art of kind of being, I guess, I wouldn't say feministic, but kind of the benefits of it. Now, I have... Is that right to say? I want to make sure I'm saying that properly. Uh, feministic? Okay, so I guess I speak to a lot of women about sex and dating and relationships um, and also women who start dating when they're, you know, older. But it actually the same, you know, the advice I would still give to women who are younger, you know, in their 20s and 30s. What but about guys? Oh, yeah. Well, probably, yeah, I would. But here's the thing. I think that my... So I started writing, um, I became suddenly single um, when I was on the wrong side of 40 after being in a, uh, a marriage for close to 18 years. And um, I was suddenly single and I started to write a pod, uh, no, not, not a pod, sorry, a blog about this. Um, and I wrote under a pseudonym at the time because I had young children and also because I'd been a writer and I actually thought no one was going to listen to this crap no one's going to be reading it no one's going to be following this blog and I'm talking back in 2012 or 13 um and so I start writing this stuff and I start I had no idea after that many years so I don't know if you can imagine but a lot of women out there probably will and guys too by the way I'd been in a relationship for a very long time and when you've been with someone for you know 18 years and it ends and it took me a long time, maybe two years after that to start dating. I had no bloody clue how to start dating. I suddenly went from meeting a guy at work and we just, you know, ended up together and we were together all those years to a world of technology. It was a whole other world. The whole game so and the I, whole game changed. I relate to women on this, on the concept of you invested your time you invested all these things thinking that you were going to end up being with this person forever and next thing you know it's gone and you're just thrown into the deep end later in your years where if you haven't had a kid sadly women feel like there's this pressure on them to have children have these things by a certain age because apparently your biological clock is ticking that is a fact but the whole concept of when you spend all this time with someone and then you end up being dating and whatever for a long time and it's all gone. It's all a restart. You have to relearn somebody else. You have to relearn to connect with someone else again. And you're diving into the world of technology. Half the time people use what? Let's say uh, Tinder, all these things, swiping left, swiping right. And even when they're sitting there having a meal together, dates aren't like they used to be. I make sure that when if I go out on a date, if I go out and hang out with friends, I, t I turn my phone off. I put it on silent. I'm disconnected because Wait, I don't do need really? that. I don't do need really that at do dinner. That? Yeah, I don't need it at the dinner table. I don't need that because I go into too many places nowadays and I see like um I I'll be going maybe let's say I'll go to a restaurant let's say with a friend or just by myself. I'll sit there and I'll talk to the waiter and waitress and they're like why aren't you just like on your phone on Instagram or something? I'm like cuz why would I mindlessly scroll at a restaurant when I'm trying to experience the world around me and when I can easily just be doing that at home, you know? It's Aww. like well, well done you. That's a big tick. 
that's a big tick because I'll tell you right now, you know, I, it, it would be probably hard because you're younger than me to imagine this, but all those years ago, there were no mobile phones interrupting date nights and, and getting to know each other and all those things. And, and we were actually calling each other on mobiles. We were, but it was a bit like, you know, they were clunky mobiles. Anyway, the reality is the smartphone generation has completely changed everything. And, you know, there's good and bad in that. There are some amazing things to technology that have happened, including, guess what? You're sitting in the US. I am sitting in Australia right now. And it here is, let's say, it's 10 p.m. at night. What time is it there? It's 8 a.m. here. Right, there you go. And so we're on opposite sides of the world and we're doing a podcast. Yay. Like, seriously, that's pretty awesome. That's what's the benefit of technology, but the way we're taking it is not in a healthy action. You know, we're not communicating. We're not having these moments, these types of things. And this is what creates a lot of problems with dating. These creates a lot of problems with stress and relationships. A lot of people don't understand when you marry someone, when you date somebody, that love feeling, it fades after about it gives it basically a time period of three years um, that it's supposed to fade. My great grandfather said it best. He said, it's all about finding new and inspiring things about this person that you consider your partner. You know, he was married for 75 years. And the only time oh. I, you never want to see your great grandfather cry. I've seen this man nail his hand to a board. I've seen what? him and not, <laughs> not shed a tear, but, I watched him cry at my great grandmother's funeral, and I wait. They were married for seventy five years. Seventy five years. He found wow back in the day in the older wow generations, and those things were a little bit different. When the people got married back then, they lasted. Not nowadays, where they get married for a year and they give up. Um, I, I think a lot. What he told me best was marriage relationships they're not 50 50 you hear that saying it's not a thing you know what it is it's a hundred a hundred okay you have to if you find that it fades you have to keep finding amazing things and interesting things about them to keep to, to keep that there to keep that spark because it does fade and when i saw him cry it was one of those moments where i felt like i was crippled to my knees I got brought mm. down to a point and he died six months later. And I literally think he it legit died of heartbreak because he literally gave up. He was like, there's no point. I lost my, my best friend. I lost everything. And I was like, I, I'm here for you, man. He goes, I love you to death, Robbie, but you don't, you're never going to understand this. He goes, Oh, Robbie. And, and you know what? Here's the thing. Even at 50, I look at that and I go, wow, wow. You know, I would have stayed married my whole life if I could have. And like, it wasn't my choice to get divorced, but that's a whole other story. But it's, it's kind of like, you know, and, and you come to this realization that everybody's on a whole other, other journey and you're right. It's a very different generation from your parents to your grandparents and then your great grandparents, such a bloody different journey. I love that. I love though that what he said, and I've said this to other people as well, relationships are not 50-50 and I adore that he said that. They are 100-100. And I've also said because, you know, um, I coach and write a lot about this for women that, you know, why are you looking for your other half? You're not a fucking half. You're actually a whole. Yeah. 
Like the only the only part, half of you that goes into anything is when you have a kid. It's half of you and the half of the person you made that kid with. And, and even that, it's funny because we all think it is. But I'm a mother of three beautiful grown-up children. What's really funny to me is that I see mannerisms of their grandparents. Yeah. Um, right? So they're not even 50-50 us. They get like all the things, all my, the things from, <laughs> from me, everyone. Me and my mom don't – like we're not, you know, we're not close like mother and son should be, mostly because we don't have anything to – really talk about but like my grandmom and my mom say it best you remind me like my mom goes you remind me of my dad and then my my grandmom's like uh, she she calls me my grandfather's name and I'm like whoa like I never met him I knew I I I died or not I not I died he died when I was only a year old so I didn't really have I have baby videos of him like and pictures of him holding me and stuff but I told him or not him I told my grandmom I was like you keep calling me his name you know, it's not that I'm Robbie. And she goes, sorry, but talking to you is like, I just slipped back into this way with my husband again, like just having a conversation. Oh, but I think that's beautiful. And it, it brings a tear to my eye. I'm like, cause I'm like, why, why do I do this? And she's like, cause you're, you're, you're you care. You're real. When you ask me how my day is oh. going, I know you actually give a shit. And I'm like, I do. I really honestly do. And I've heard kids my age say it to me. They're like, dude, it's crazy. Cause my podcast started from, somebody that called me on a ledge that was drinking and they were drunk and they felt their whole life had been structured and they were calling. Wait, is that, is that true, Robbie? What about this? Yeah. That's how it started. Yeah. This is actually like everything I'm telling you, this is everything I've experienced my whole life. It's all honest answers here. And his name is Brooks. He's been on my podcast. You can listen to his episode. He was on my first season. And it's crazy because I was introvert for so long. Because I was always called annoying and made fun of through school. And I felt like I was a bit of a loan. So I became introvert. I got addicted to working out. I I became all this like type of things where I'm doing the same routine over and over and over again. Where I'm like, wow, life kind of fucking sucks. And then I I randomly get this call at 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm kind of – talking to older people that I work with about what's going on in life and these things I'm trying to navigate and they're giving me advice. And he starts going, um, you know, this guy called me. I mean, we only ate lunch together. Like that's how I knew him. That's how we were friends. We never made had conversation outside of uh, school. We never hung out outside of school and it's been five, six years. And then he just calls me one night and goes, Hey man, um, I know we don't haven't talked, but you're, you're someone I know is real. Like whenever you asked about my day, you actually cared. And I just want to let you know, like my whole life's been controlled. And he goes into this completely emotional story that we talk about on my podcast. And I was, I was, I was telling him and giving him this advice that I wasn't even taking for myself. And I realized this is why kids my age get addicted to alcohol and start going through severe depression is because it's, it's an antidepressant for a reason. We're all looking for something. We're seeing depression happen at younger and younger ages. And he told me, he was like, thank you, man. Like, I'm not going to jump off this ledge right now. Like you really talked me down. I really think you're an awesome person. And he like starts tearing up. I'm like, dude, we're all living this life together. We need to find a way, all of us as people, just to connect again. And that was the basis for this. Oh, my God. That is absolutely beautiful. You know, I have a 19-year-old son who also is a podcaster, and um, he talks about um, Aussie rules football on his podcast, amongst other sports, um, which we call AFL. 
Um, but one of the things that he does is actually talk talks about uh, mental health issues, especially about men in sport. And he plays footy, um, not professionally, but just he loves it. And he's always been on different teams. And he, um, yeah, I think the second episode in was the very first time he just went completely off track about talking about sports and who's going to win the latest footy you know, results every week to mental health. And he currently is trying to get all these people. He said if two and a half thousand people like his podcast, he's going to shave his head for this Australian um, organisation called Beyond Blue, which is really about um, raising money for mental health issues. And he has a real huge passion for mental health, especially amongst young men. Um, I'm really proud of that. I think this is an incredible thing. And I'm listening to you and thinking, um, I'm really actually really proud of you too. And we've never even met in real life, but, um, thank you. That was was such an incredible, no, really. Thank you for my soul. I always, I always use the example when someone, um, when I like, I get something and it gets like an A or something. I'm like, my mom's going to put this on the fridge. Like as a joke, (laughs) I, I tell people, I'm like, we do the things in this world and we choose to be comfortable. We choose to live a life of just going inside and sheltering ourselves off from the world. You know, how many times do you make plans when you're out going like to work or something and you're like, we're going to hang out tonight. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And the next thing you know, as soon as you walk through the door, all your energy is drained. You just want to lie down and do nothing for the rest of the night. And it happens to everyone. And I, I think it's because we choose to be comfortable rather than be exploratory and everything you know I think that's really I love that you're saying that and I think that um for me and my kids will attest to this and my partner now will attest to this that I have lived this kind of very high energy life and I think that I went through a whole phase of my life doing exactly what you said and then I decided that I deserved a better life than that and I am I've lived my life I think the second half of my life like doing this whole maybe from 25 or, you know, and especially from 40 onwards, um, and I'm 50 now, of, of just being so open to new opportunities and meeting new people. And, and you know, the podcast has been amazing, but my blog has been amazing in terms of that because you actually meet up with, and you'd be doing this with podcasting, you actually meet all these amazing people that you never would have met before. It's brilliant and beautiful and, um, and great. And what you, you, it actually energizes you, don't you think? Let me tell you something. I've been up since 1 a.m. Monday. I've only slept probably three hours. I've done 10 two-hour conversations with people from starting in Australian time to going to UK. I'm so sorry. To, to Brazil. <laughs> I don't don't want to apologize for it because I choose to do this. Like my podcast isn't live. This will probably go up in a few weeks or so. Only on the concept of I try and record as many as possible. Now I've heard people say things like that just means you don't even care about the person. No, I can tell you every single episode. I can tell you the conversations, the stories that I've heard. I can tell you the experiences, the emotions. I can tell you what the fucking weather was like outside. I have my. But I can hear that. But I can hear that, Robbie. I don't think that on this podcast anyone's going to think that you didn't care. I think that there's been this really beautiful kind of um, connection, and I think that we are. Yeah, we're different ages, and yeah, we're from different time zones. But I feel like we just connect. In many ways, I had one person on my podcast give me a bad review, and 
I it, it I still think about it today. It's been months since that conversation happened. And he only said, I felt like I was prying information out of him. But he did suffer from a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of pressure when it came to him being addicted to things. And I told him, I was like, everything, like, I'm just talking to him like I was talking to you. Like, so why, if you don't mind me asking, why sure. are you addicted to this? And then he just goes off and starts telling me about it. And it wasn't me prying into him. I tell people, if there's something you don't want to talk about, say it on when I ask it. Don't just sit there and let me pry into you. Don't let me do that because I don't want to feel like I'm doing that. I just want to have conversation. Everything I'm asking you as a person, Sandy, I'm going – as everything I want to know. It's the conversations I want to have. People don't go and experience this anymore out in the real world. Everybody walks around on their cell phone and is completely oblivious and wonder why they're all so pissed off and wondering why the world is shit. We're not fucking talking anymore. <laughs> That's true, and yet – you know, thank you for this opportunity to come on here because here's the thing. We're just chatting. We're just like shooting the breeze and we're learning about each other and we're learning about each other's politics and we're learning about, you know, what we're all feeling. And that's important, right? Yeah. It's important. It's, it's all about connecting. See, sadly, we put our faith when it comes to connectivity in social media, you know, that acceptance when a like and a share gets in. I've actually had people message me about the podcast saying, oh, I know you're looking for guests. Um, Hey, uh, how many views do your videos get? I want to know before I get on. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't. I never ask that. Ah. It doesn't matter. I tell them like, I don't look at views, man. I really don't. I don't even check. I actually hate YouTube when it tries to show me my analytics. I'm like, you can just put that off to the side because I don't care because what I care about is the person I had on the conversation that I had on. And so much of the feedback that I get from people that are like, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Like shout out to your podcast. I'm like, don't, you don't have to share it. Don't share it. If you don't want to share it, if you didn't have fun on it, please, for the love of God, let me know if there's anything I can do to improve. And I have people tell me, stop looking at the negative things of it okay stop looking at that because if you start holding those so damn accountable i'm like no because this isn't my podcast this is our podcast when you come on and have that episode thanks for letting me be on your podcast don't thank me this has been a thing for both of us we're all working in this world together it's the same reason i chalk up my podcast to being a sunset being a sunrise this is Everything, everybody can experience. This isn't just one specific niche, like narrowing down a building Ikea furniture. Like it's only people that enjoy doing that. Oh, uh, I like that. Yeah, this is for everyone. This is your episode. This is our conversation. Let's let's make it into what we want to make it into. And, I, and you know what, Robbie? I think we have. I think that we have seriously, we've crossed divides here. Age divides, continent divides. Um, whatever, you know, I think it's brilliant. And I think that what you're doing is really great. And honestly, I, what I said before is true. You know, I think that what you, you sound so much older than you are. I think you're doing an extraordinary job. I am really bloody pleased that I came on this podcast and, you know, I, I am, and I'm, you know, I'm thrilled, you know, I, um, I'm doing this little thing over here in Australia and I've got, you know, I, it, the good girl confessional is my thing. That's what I do. And I love it, but I love what you're doing. And I love that you're doing this kind of very conversational, bring the whole world into your world kind of thing. Well done to you. I think, you know, age is irrelevant. I think you're extraordinary. I appreciate that. And I think you're awesome. I actually wanted to know, why did you call it the good girl confessional? 
Okay. So I called it the good girl confessional. I started this like many years ago, clearly. Um, I think that when I, you know, I was single, suddenly single, as I said, on the wrong side of 40. And I think um, when I decided to do a podcast about my dating experiences, thinking no one would ever read it because I'd already been a writer. And so I was thinking, oh, I'll do it under a pseudonym. No one will ever know. Um, the name came from trying to be the good wife and the good mother and the, and the good friend and the good daughter and the good worker and the good everything because society tells women that that's what we should be. And I felt like I was just failing under this kind of construct of everything that I was supposed to be. When I look back now, and of course hindsight's twenty twenty vision, I was pretty good at a lot of those things. I wasn't great at some of them, but I was pretty good. And I, and I think at the end of the day, I was a full-time working mum and trying to be married and doing all those things. And, um, you know, I thought I just wanted to be that pat you on the head. You're supposed to be females as a tour. We're meant to be, um, good girl, you know, keep your mouth shut, do all the good things, do all the right things, do wear everything dress, right. Wear a dress, wear makeup. I tell you. All of it, stop, all of it. Stop wearing makeup, please. Can you stop? They're like, Wait, wait, what? you're too fat, you're too thin. You, you, why are you wearing makeup? You look like a slut. Why, why are you not wearing makeup? You've let yourself go. All of the things, right? And You want to know something I can relate to when it comes to the idea of all these things that women feel pressured when it comes to their looks? Now, for me, I've worked out every single day and have not missed a day. I mean, have not missed a day for seven years now. I have a thing known as body dysmorphia that I kind of pulled out of being bullied for being overweight when I was a kid. I have my friend and my friend, every, every woman listening here today will understand what body dysmorphia is because it doesn't matter how thin, how fat, how how busty, how flat, how how white, how tanned, how black, how white, doesn't matter what we are, we all have body dysmorphia. And I understand that a lot of men have this. And I'm really fucking sorry that you've had to go through that shit like we have had to go through that shit. But I mean that it's, sincerely. It's, it's crazy because people will tell me like, why do you wear such large shirts? Like you have a six pack, show it off. I've mm, had friends but, get upset with me about it. And I'm like, because- wow. I don't like the way tight shirts feel in my body. I can feel that. And I just go into all these things like you have the mind of a chick. I'm like, no, I have a mind of someone that is feeling it's like programmed. That is programmed. Body dysmorphia. Yeah. Well, also programmed in a world of judgment. That's all of it course. is. You know, That's all we, when, and we have, I have lived that my entire life. You have been living that. I tell like I've, all the people that made fun of me in school and they see me put up a six pack picture. I only do that to show people when you like, it's not me showing off. I am happy that I do have this, but I work my ass off to get this. And I make sure I've, I've been, I mean, restricting food, whatever the hell it is, but I've. Well, well, you know, we, and you know, a lot of women have been doing that for many years and I have actually met other men and now you who actually have felt that. I've got sons who are growing up who are 19 and 28, say, who are like 10 years apart, who are actually growing up in your world, who are in this ridiculous kind of realm of social media bullshit where you're supposed to be, um, you know, we have male models now on the catwalk who look like what we used to call females, heroin chic, um, so fucking skinny. It's, Look, it's, it's, it's insanity. 
I've been 3% body fat and I've stayed around this percentage it's insanity. Of body fat for almost seven years now. It's insanity. It's not fun. You're cold when it's 90 degrees out. You know, you put yeah. on blankets. Your your body is literally, you, you get yourself miserable. And when I was experiencing this and then my buddy called me and then when I started to do a podcast, I realized when I was going to the gym, it's now like checking my phone in the morning. There's, I make literally, even on my days off, I make a time you cannot contact me. That's three to six. That's the time I'm at the gym every single day. It's the only time I'm unavailable. And I tell people, this has gotten to, it's really hard for people to understand. And the only people I have been able to kind of relate to when it comes to this is people who are transgender. And I had a transgender person on my podcast and I was trying to kind of, you get to see where podcasting has changed my mind and made me a little bit of, I guess, more intelligent um, when I talk on the concept of I'm more understanding and I've experienced so much through the eyes and thoughts and brains of so many people. She told me, she was like, do you know what it's like to look in the mirror and not feel comfortable in the body that you were given? And I said, I do. And she oh, yeah. looked at, uh, he looked at me, sorry, he looked at me and said, what do you mean you do? I'm like, and I told, told him what I was going through. And he said, this is exactly what people need to understand is yeah. same reason why like I might have a six pack, but I still wait for the shower to fog up the mirror before I hop in the bath, like before I hop in the shower. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There's things oh, yeah. I do. I'm a, I don't feel comfortable even in my room taking my shirt off. There's things, this is, everyone is dealing with some type of affliction, some type of a problem. We're looking for help, but where we're looking for help is not anywhere we should be investing our time into. That's why when I put up a six pack picture on my Facebook or Instagram, I let people know this is literally 60% nutrition, 20% or 20% working out and 20% lighting. Okay. This is, this is, but that's, but that's, that's okay. That's okay. And I think that, you know, that's part of you putting even those photos up is a, a genuine journey of accepting self. And, and I okay. show, I show people like, see this, this is me at the gym. This is me after a nice good old poop. Okay. Where I'm completely cleansed out. You know what I mean? But I don't keep my six pack 24 seven. If I drink a soda, if I drink a water, if I do this, it adds water weight, it goes away. And this is actually, I, a lot of people go like, I I talk about Jason Momoa jokingly, like he's a handsome guy. Okay. He is handsome. Me as a guy, I can say that, right? I feel comfortable. I'm not gay or anything, but I, I feel comfortable saying that. And the only reason is like, they talk about, like, are you sure, man? You talk about Jason Momoa a lot. I'm like, if you look at, he just got a bunch of shit recently for having a dad bod. And I wow. freaked out because what he said resonated with me so much you don't keep it 24 seven. That's called competition status. Okay. This is the type, the six pack he had in Aquaman, all that people were giving him crap. Like, man, you went out of shape months after that movie. No, he went on a weekend vacation with his family on his birthday, had beer and cake. So they got a bad picture of him. And I tell him like, he said it out in social media. I do not keep that year round. I'm going to enjoy my life with my family. I'm not going to hold restrictions onto what you people want to hold me accountable for. Okay. And I realized what he's saying is like, I understand how hard it is to get a body like that. That's where I give him credit and respect the amount of 
processed any actor or any person puts their body into that type of shape. But I follow real Instagram bodybuilders, the ones that don't just put up the glorified picture. See, sadly, nowadays, we choose to be so invest our lives into other people's because on Instagram, Facebook, it's people just showing the best parts about their life, like going to the beach, going to the Bahamas, going to wherever, and having this amazing trip feeling making you feel like your life is not successful. But you don't know that when they get back from their trip, they're suffering from debt because they had to take that trip. Yeah, well, maybe, but I guess that there's a lot of chicks in my age bracket who are just like on the other side of that, right? So, you know, and I get this is just body dysmorphia, but in the same way, right? So they are on the other side of 40. So guess what? Their boobs are sagging. They might have a little flabby tummy. They might be a little bit wider in the girth, but guess what? They're, they're fucking sexy as hell. And this whole bullshit thing that they're actually trying to like, um, compete with all these people on Instagram and Facebook, you know, real is beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and, you know, there's a lot of really beautiful, gorgeous fucking, I hate that they call them plus size models. There's a lot of really gorgeous curvy chicks out there who are doing their thing and they're doing it well and they're actually making a killing and good on them. And I say all the power to it. I think that we need to start to break down those bloody bullshit, that the bullshit, um, you know, stuff about what people are meant to look like. We are all who we are and why can't we just all feel sexy and brilliant for exactly who we are? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but when it comes to the concept of the people we model our lives after, it seems like there's these restrictions, there's these standards of living, having a six pack, having this thing that is is not always obtainable for everybody. We're all of course it isn't, of course it isn't, and so that's what I'm saying. Why can't we just like yeah. learn to love ourselves for exactly who we're bloody meant to be? Not everyone's meant to have a six pack. Not everyone's going to be tall. Not everyone's going to be fucking Hollywood beautiful. Who cares? Bill Burr talks about it. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a pretty famous. I do. Yep. He has a joke about Ben Stiller in Meet the Fockers uh, where he had a six pack. And he goes, see, I don't have a body like that. So I'm not going to put any time and effort to try and get a six pack. I'll get in shape, but I'm not going to go for that because I know that's unattainable for me. Sadly, I tell people at the gym, like I'm sitting there, they're sitting there hating their life. They're looking at the person beside them that's in way better shape. And they think they just end up giving up. And I say, stop. Stop comparing yourself to them, okay? The worst part I hate about gyms is that every there's mirrors on every fucking wall. And I, I go to one every single day so I know what it's like. Like I had one chick that walked in wearing nothing but makeup, wearing um just trying to get like kind of get the attention. And I understand that. But she said something to me because she was standing near where I was looking in in the mirror. And she was like, can you stop staring at me? And I said, honey, I'm looking at myself in this shirt feeling it constrict onto my fat and I'm not even paying attention to you right now. And she just looked at me like, what? And I'm like, you don't know what's going on in my mind. I'm more looking at myself and judging myself constantly than judging others. You're in the gym for improvement. You're in the gym to fix yourself. Don't give up after two weeks. I tell people that are overweight that give up after a week and a half and think they're never going to obtain it. I said, it takes four months for you to see results. It takes six months for your family to see results. Then it takes eight months for everyone around you to see the change that you've been making. I'm like, put in that time, put in that effort. You will get what you put in. I'm telling you. Oh, totally. But guess what? Some of us don't actually want to put in the time. We don't, we're not that concerned about it. 
I am no way in no way dissing what you've done. I think what you've done is incredible. And I think that people who want to have those outcomes, it's incredible. Truly. It's, but I do it's not think, meant for everyone. I tell people, No, of course not. Yeah, it's so I, not I, meant for I, everyone. I think I might have misunderstood uh, uh kind of like said it in a way, but I, I tell people like if you don't want to go to the gym and you're comfortable with the way you look, you're comfortable with the body you're in, then there you go. I just tell people if you're looking to better your life when it comes to getting physically fit and getting in shape, don't give up. But if you don't want to read, if you but don't, you don't want to do it and if you're happy, like you got to embrace who you yeah. are. And as women, I keep saying to women, just bloody embrace who you are. If you don't want to go to the gym, if you if that's not for you, that's okay too. If you do want to go to the gym, wholeheartedly bloody embrace it. But if it's not, for you that's okay that's it's that's okay the same thinking i have um i have yeah. buddies that sit and play video games all day and they don't ever want to go to the gym they don't care what they look like they have people they've, they've connected to i've seen the happiest relationships be with a guy that is overweight but him and his girlfriend he has a, he has a girlfriend i don't so it's like it's the whole concept like if you're if you need that motivation that inspiration to go to the gym then go ahead and do it but don't feel like you're obliged because of what other people are going to think of you agree just be you do you yeah what makes you amazing is the fact that you're completely unique in your own way but you're choosing a life of structuring yourself off of what everybody else is structuring themselves on when you have to you're the only one with the keys to your car to drive your life you can take advice from people but in the end, you're the only one that can choose in which direction you go. And that, my friend, is some amazing advice. And on that note, I'm going to say I've been so thrilled. I'm on the other side of the world, so I'm going to have to go. But I just think you're amazing. I think that you are kicking ass in the podcasting realms. And I hope everyone is listening to you. And I think it's a beautiful thing that you're doing. I am so thrilled to come on your podcast. I appreciate having you on. I want to give you a minute before you go um, to, go, kind of, yeah. to kind of promote your podcast and everything so people can find your awesome content. Oh, well, thank you. Um, so you guys can listen to me at The Good Girl Confessional um, and we're available on iTunes and we're available on Spotify and we're available on iHeartRadio and Spreaker and a number of places. Um, but check us out on iTunes or Spotify. I guess that's the big thing in America. And, um, you know, and thank you so much, Robbie. And I know you do you thank me because it's, but it is like about, you know, seriously promoting both of us and I'll be promoting you as well. And um, thank you so much because this has been brilliant. I think that you are someone everyone should be listening to. Thank you so much, Sandy, for coming on to the podcast. And I hope you have a wonderful night. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful morning. Yeah. Time zones. <laughs>